Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. So we're starting the letter of James, and most theologians think this is most likely the half-brother of Jesus. I say half-brother because he had the same mom, but a different dad, which is ironic because when we turn to the epistle that James writes in the Bible, if this indeed is the James listed there in Matthew 13, then James has had a change of heart from not believing in his brother as the Messiah to let me show you how he introduces himself in James 1. It says that James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. So his introduction to the letter is, by first introducing who's writing himself, he says, I'm James. He doesn't say the half-brother of Jesus. He just says, or the brother of Jesus, as some would say. He just says, I'm James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his brother who didn't believe before he died and was resurrected. By the time that this letter is written, and, and there's a clue, we don't know the exact date of this letter, but it says to the 12 tribes, that are dispersed abroad. So when did the dispersion come from history when the Jews were all there comfy and cozy in Jerusalem? Jesus, you remember, went right into the temple that was there in the Temple Mountain and he threw out the money changers and made a whip and drove out those guys that were profiting on people's desire to worship and said, you guys have made this a, a house full of robbers. This is my father's house. It's supposed to be a, a house of prayer for all nations. But there was a dispersion that came to the Jews and they were driven all abroad because of a great persecution that arose. And we actually know this from history. In 70 AD, there was a group of Romans that went in and saw the gold in the temple and decided that's a lot of money on the outside. This whole thing was plated in gold. And so the commander said not to put any fire to the temple and somehow in their pilfering and looting, fire broke out. Who knows how it went, but history tells us that the temple actually caught fire and with the heat being really intense, it caused the gold to melt. The plating would be thin, but it was hot enough to melt it and it drizzled into the cracks between the stones. And so the soldiers actually ripped the stones one from another just to pry out the gold that was in the cracks. I mean, it was like, why leave all this gold? We'll just push the stones out of the way and take the gold. Remember when Jesus was looking out at Jerusalem and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he wept over the city. You reject those that are sent to you. The prophets that the Lord had sent to Jerusalem to testify, they just didn't listen to. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left on another. And this is going to be a judgment that comes. And sure enough, the word of the Lord was fulfilled in 70 AD and a great persecution arose. And so it's believed that this letter has to at least have happened after that persecution, that it would be dated some 70 AD plus. It could have been 80, 90, we don't know. This is how we find out some of the dates. They refer to a certain event in the letter and you find out when that event was recorded by some scribe in that day. And then you can say, okay, hey, this helps us pin it down. Well, this letter just starts with the opening to those that are dispersed abroad, to the 12 tribes. So what's his audience, Gentile or Jew? It's Jews. Jewish believers 
he's writing to, and he's saying, I am a Jewish believer. I'm a believer in God. I'm a bondservant of God. And not just a believer, but a bond slave means I have willfully chose to be a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a bond slave of him too. So if this is the half-brother of Jesus who mocked him some, it was 33 AD when Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb and then rose. So say it was just for ease of math, 73 AD when he wrote, this would be 40 years later. And in that 40 years, he's gone from, he didn't believe his brother was the Messiah to, he's now saying, he's now my master. My, I'm a bond slave of the Lord Jesus. I'm a bond slave of God. And I have something to tell you. Now, if you look at church history, if it would have been a little longer, say 83 or 93 AD when he wrote, then the persecution was starting to really ramp up against the Jews and that was driving the Jews. You can read about this in the book of Acts, how even Priscilla and Quilla had to flee and they had to go away from Rome. The Jews weren't welcome and then they go off to another place and, and there was persecution of being Jewish and having faith in God. And so James says some really cool words. He starts off the book in verse two with saying, consider it all joy, my brethren. Now, if I go with Paul, when he says, consider it all joy, when you consider the glory of the Lord, I can do that when I talk about God's glory. But he doesn't start with that, James doesn't. He says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And this is the kind of temptations that even Jesus, Jesus was tempted in Matthew's gospel and in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. Now, just because you go through a temptation doesn't mean you are evil. It's a testing. The word temptation, this parasmos, is actually like a, a Greek word for a testing. It's a test. And sometimes we have to go through tests to find out where we're at. It's just part of our growth process. I remember in school, they had this thing called the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. You had to do so many push-ups, so many sit-ups, so many things. And if you didn't, you didn't get the award. And so there was a test. And they had different things that they used to measure the children's fitness. Now, that testing was just to see where we were at. Some kids couldn't do two or three push-ups, that's it. And the thing was that the testing was just to show where you were at and where you needed to go to. Well, if you go through a testing and you don't do great, that's not a show of you're an evil person, that's just a show of areas for improvement. But Jesus himself, the one who was perfect, he even was tested. James says you can consider it all joy when you encounter these testings these diverse temptations or trials of your faith, these tryings, uh, testings of your faith. Why? Well, he says why. He says because you know that this testing of your faith produces endurance. Maybe you don't do good on the first test, so you, so you got to go home and start hitting the weights or the gym and start working out a little. And, and then when the next test comes along, you're a little stronger. Now, Jesus is going to have testings, but 
This is testings of our spiritual progress. Where are we at in our spiritual walk and how strong are we? And this one's really interesting because, well, I'll do it from Matthew 4. You could do it either one. They're a little bit different in order how they record it, but the same three temptations are listed for us for Jesus, the testings he went through. And from Matthew's gospel, we read in verse one, it said, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, the tempter came and he said to him, if you're the son of God, then command these stones to become bread. But Jesus, he answered him, he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on a pinnacle of the temple up high. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I love this. The devil is telling Jesus what the angel's job is. Psalm 91 there, 11 and 12. He's quoting the psalm to Jesus about the description of the angel's job. We would call this a guardian angel in our culture. Well, Jesus, just throw yourself off. And if you're the son of God, then the angels are going to catch you. Lest you even dash your foot on the stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, because he said, it is written, Satan. By the way, can Satan quote scripture? Sure. He's quoting scripture to Jesus. It is written. But Jesus said, it is also written that you shall not put the Lord your God to a test. Then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to Jesus. Now this is interesting to me. I, every time Jesus answered the testing of his faith, his answer was with Scripture. It is written. All of his retorts, all his comebacks to the devil, all the things that got him out of going down the wrong path that the devil wanted him to take was because he knew the scripture. And guys, the devil knows the scripture, but he doesn't quote it in context and he twists it in its intent. And he always tries to subvert what God wants it to say into something that is not what it says. Remember to Eve? Well, you know... Why aren't you supposed to eat of that tree? God just doesn't want you to eat it because in the day you do, you'll become like God. Yeah, you'll become like God knowing the difference between good and evil because up till then they didn't know the difference, but the devil wasn't going to give her the full picture. He just wanted to deceive. So yes, the devil quotes scripture to deceive. This is why I tell people it's really important you study the word of God so that when the devil tries to slap a temptation on you, and he's even using a scripture and twisting it like he did to Jesus, you know how to come back with the right scripture to answer him. It is also written. If Jesus wouldn't have done this, look, the first one, let's just break down the temptations. They're really interesting. So they start off with, if you 
are the Son of God. Does the devil know that Jesus is the Son of God? Sure. But why is he using that as his intro to the temptation? What good is it to say, if you're the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread? In other words, if you're the Son of God, could Jesus say to that stone, pumpernickel, or rye, or well, I don't know, whatever he wanted, you know, whole wheat, or white bread. I mean, he could just point it and command it, and that rock would have turned into whatever loaf of bread he wanted. But see, Satan is trying to lure Jesus into using the position, the power of who he is, to do something that Jesus wasn't here to do. See, this is before Jesus begins his public ministry. Verse 12 says, my Bible has a little headline above verse 12. It says, Jesus begins his ministry. When does he begin it? After verse 11, which is where he told the devil, in verse 10, go, Satan. It is written, you should serve the Lord your God and worship him only. Get out of here. And the devil leaves and then the angels come. And after this whole thing of the three temptations, that's when Jesus after the angels ministered to him, that's when he begins his public ministry. But before he ministers to others, he has a temptation to minister to himself. Satan's going, why don't you take care of yourself? Forget everybody else. You're the son of God. Use your power. If you're the son of God, go ahead, just command that stone, make it into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil goes, oh man, that didn't work. I was trying to get him to use his power to take care of himself and not trust God to take care of him. Just do it yourself. And by the way, that's a temptation for every man. The devil loves to hit us with, oh, you don't have to trust God. Why wait for God to do that? Why don't you just take it into your own hands? Why don't you do it for God? He likes to appeal to our pride. And that's what he was doing to Jesus. If you're the son of God, he was trying to angle him on, why don't you just, if you're the son of God, have some pride, man. Use your power. Make a stone into bread. But Jesus didn't fall for that trap. The devil's the one that fell for pride, but not Jesus. Jesus was humble, it says, and lowly of heart. He didn't fall for the trap that the devil tried to test him in. He passed. He knew what was more valuable. The words that proceed from the mouth of God is what feeds a man. Man, if only I'd let that sink into my brain. The stuff God speaks to me is way more powerful for my life. It's way more satisfying to my life than any food I put in my mouth. Well, yeah, the whole culture are driven by what foods we shove in our mouth. We got ads on the TV all day long about what restaurants we should go to, what sandwich we should eat, we should go have an Arby's, we should have McDonald's, we should have flame broiled, we should have this or that. Every advertisement is appealing to what we stick in our mouth instead of what we hear that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, when that falls to my ears, anything God speaks to me, Jesus said, that's what man lives by. When the Lord speaks to our heart, that's more fulfilling than any food we can put in this hole below my nose. It's really important that we put the word of God into our heart. But let's break down the temptation. 
what is the devil saying to Jesus? If you're the son of God, if you're really one of God's kids, then show me. Show me that you trust him with your life and jump out into his angel's arms. Just go ahead. Show me that you trust him fully. Do something foolish. Walk across the freeway with your eyes shut. You're a child of the king. Why don't you do that? And surely he's God. He's going to guard you from getting slaughtered by one of those semis coming down the pike. Sometimes the devil comes up with some really stupid stuff. And you know what's interesting? I had a friend when he was using drugs that he actually walked back and forth across the highway while he was altered in his understanding. He's using stuff that altered him. And he said, well, the devil kept saying to him, well, aren't you one of God's kids? Don't you trust him? Close your eyes and walk across the freeway. And he did it. By God's grace, God kept that guy alive. But the devil would have delighted if he would have gotten run over. And I told him, just for future reference, you need to know what Jesus said. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't force a test. You're pushing it, buddy. He was funny because he was saying, you know, I didn't feel right about doing it. But I couldn't come up with an answer why not to. And so then the devil went, well, that didn't work. Let me try another. Then comes the third one. He takes him to a very high mountain. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Can you imagine the devil just taking him up to this high mountain and saying, look at all the glory of all the king." I mean, he must have had some way to like, not the way our minds think, but think like more like in a sci-fi kind of thing where, where they can zip around and pass through time and space and show like, here's the great glory of Babylon. Here's the great glory of the Medo-Persian Empire. Here's the great glory of Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. Here's the Roman Empire. And he took him and showed him all the glory of all these kingdoms, just like, like on a slideshow and said, all of that, all that glory, he said, it's been given to me. Remember when Adam sinned, it says the keys were given to the devil, to this world, and he had them. So the devil goes, look, if you'll just worship me, I will give you all these things. I have the keys to it. I'll give you the keys here to all the glory of all these kingdoms if you just fall down and worship me. I mean, this is a real temptation because Jesus is actually going to have all the glory of all kingdoms, of all peoples. When you read Revelation, everyone is going to fall down and say, all glory, all honor, all power, thou art worthy. It's all dominion. It all belongs to you, Jesus. But for Jesus to receive all that glory, it says that he would be in heaven seen as a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He is going to be in heaven with the marks, the holes in his hands, the hole in his eye. You know, it describes everyone else in heaven. It sounds like we're going to be all whole and, and well, but he's going to have still the scars from his being the sacrificial lamb. Here's the lamb that is marred. Everyone else gets to be perfect because of what he did, and he gets to be the one marred. And he gets to have all glory, all honor. The, the creatures are going to be going, Holy, holy, holy Lord. Lord God, oh my, and heaven and earth are full of your glory. And he, continually, they're going to continue to cry out, Holy, holy, holy Lord. 
All this glory is going to be given to Jesus. Except for him to get that glory, he's going to have to go the route of the cross. And he's going to have to be crucified and buried and then rise again before he can have that glory. So Satan goes, I got an idea. How about this? You don't need to die to get all this glory. I got it right now. I'm going to offer you a shortcut. And my shortcut entails that you don't have to do what God wants you to do. You don't have to die to get what God has for you. I'll just give you a shortcut and you can have it without dying. Here, just fall down and worship me. Now, how many people do you think have fallen for this temptation where the devil says, I'll give you all the glory, all the fame. I'll make you the most famous rock star if you'll just, they call it selling their soul to the devil. They want that shortcut. They want to skip all the hard work of climbing the ladder and working their way up the church. They go, I'll fall down and worship you, Satan, and you make me the number one pop star next year. Then the guy becomes the number one, and all of a sudden, tragically, he dies in a plane crash. And you wonder, what? I mean, how many of those guys that get to the top, they don't have very long careers? They just disappear. And the devil's made a deal with them. I'll give it to you. I'll give you the shortcut if you just worship me. And Jesus said, no. Be gone, Satan. Be gone. Now, this is something we need to learn to do. When we're tempted by sin, when the devil comes and tries to tempt us, we need to learn to go, be gone, Satan. Get out of here. I'm only supposed to serve and worship one person, the Lord God. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is telling him. This is the only one we're supposed to serve, not you. I'm not supposed to serve you, devil. Don't fall for it. But guys, if Jesus could go through temptations, I mean, the reality is we can go through temptations. We do go through temptations. And the devil, he is not creative. He uses the same old, same old to tempt men. He tries to tempt them with shortcuts to fame, shortcuts to glory, shortcuts to riches, get-rich-quick schemes. You know, how many guys have gotten sucked into temptations because of get-rich-quick schemes? They just do this and you'll get rich. Give us this money and they lose everything. The devil's laughing. Ha, 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 you didn't pass the test. The scripture says, don't throw in your hat with those guys when they come and say, hey, come on, we're going to do this scheme and we're going to get rich quick and we're going to do this. The Proverbs tells, don't do it. And so here... If we just learn the word of God, we would have the way to answer, just like Jesus did. And it is also written. This is a safeguard to you to learn the, what the scripture has written in it so that when the devil comes and throws a temptation, you have some ammo to fire back. So you don't fall for him in his little scheming ways. But guys, he will keep coming. And you'll keep getting tested. It's like those presidential physical fitness guys. They kept coming back year after year, making us do push-ups, making us do sit-ups. You're like, you were here before. Now, why do they keep coming back? Well, they say, well, we're just checking to see what your progress is. Are you advancing in your fitness? You're getting a little older. Your bones should be a little stronger. Your muscles should be a little bigger. You should be able to do more push-ups this year than you did last year. Do you remember how the bar used to go up higher and higher when we were young? It was down real low couple push-ups but then as you get into your teenage years they're expecting you to pump out a bunch of push-ups i don't know why they don't do it to us as adults because we'd find out how fast we decline but the testing is there but i got news for you just like those guys come back the devil comes back 
and he will tempt you. And don't think you're evil because you got tempted or tested, that you went through diverse trials or temptations like it says in King James. Don't feel like you're evil because of that. Just learn the word of God so you know how to answer the temptation so you don't get sucked into it. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach to the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.